Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we are excited about Jesus' festival. Lord, make it memorable. Help us to have experiences and encounters that last a lifetime. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please take your seats. The task I have today and tomorrow is to persuade, convince, and prick your conscience to take a lifelong decision for Jesus in a direction which will please God satisfy the Holy Spirit and make the heart of Jesus glad. Because a Jesus festival must be about Jesus and, and what Jesus is excited about. So, I wasn't here to listen to the other speakers. But today and tomorrow, I want to explain not only the Great Commission, but discipleship to you. The best news that has ever hit Africa is that for the first time since the world began, Africa has overtaken Europe and Latin America to be the continent with the largest number of Christians in the whole world. Last year alone, Africa added 50 million new Christians. So we took the baton from Latin America. And for the next 50 years, Africa must keep this baton. Not only that, 42% of the world's evangelical Christians, Bible-believing Christians, are now in Africa. And 25%, one quarter, of all people in the world who are born again are in Africa. 
Now, this news should make you excited. Because we are last in everything. But in the fear of God, we are winning. So, if, if Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, then righteousness exalts a continent. I believe with all my heart that our continent will overtake every continent on this planet. I don't know how God is going to do it, but I know that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So, we thank God for that. No Christian reads the Bible without understanding that God's heart is that the type of worship you had this morning, every human being, every nation should give him that worship. That is what we call the Great Commission. The Great Commission is saying that every tribe, every ethnic group, every ethno-linguistic people group, every human being, every family should hear the gospel at least once in his lifetime. That is the great commission. You just worship the Lord. And you read the Psalm, Psalm 150 verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. How can they praise a God they have never heard of? How can they worship a Jesus they have never heard of? They cannot. They cannot. So, let's do our work thoroughly. I will talk about the Great Commission, but I will zero on discipleship. And then tomorrow, I will finish up. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Bible says that God is not slow about bringing this world to an end. Do you think he doesn't mind the LGBTQ, all, all that is going on? Do you think God is not, is not concerned? He killed Sodom and Gomorrah for less than this. They had no Bible. God is not slow about bringing this world to an end. But he is being long-suffering towards us. Not willing that any should perish. Not willing that any should perish. Not willing, not willing, not willing, not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 to 6, the scripture says God wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. Because there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life as a ransom for all men. All can be saved, must be saved. 
Acts 17, 30, 31, the scripture says, the times of ignorance, God has overlooked. But now, but now, but now, but now, He commands all men everywhere to repent. Because He has appointed a day on which He is going to judge the whole world in righteousness. And He has given proof of this to all men by raising Him from the dead. The heart of God is that John 3.16 For God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have an everlasting life. We need to pick the heart of God. That is what is called the Great Commission. Jesus said in Matthew 24.14 This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. Then shall the end come. Then shall the end come. Wars, rumors of wars, ISIS, and you name them, Boko Haram, they cannot end this world. It is finishing the task of the Great Commission that will close the age. Mark 13.10, he says, the gospel must first be preached among all nations. First. And first means first. So, when we talk about the Great Commission, we are listening to what Jesus is telling us as his heart. He said in Luke 19.10, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save the lost. That's why I came. In Mark chapter 1, from verse 35 to 39, the scripture says, in the morning, rising up a long while before day, Jesus went to a solitary place to pray. And the disciples were searching for him. And they found him and they said, Pastor, the whole city wants you to be their resident pastor. And for any man of God, that is flattery. You want to go and pastor that city where everybody wants you. But he said, no. Let us go to the other cities and preach there also. For therefore have I come forth. In Matthew 9, from verse 35 to 38, the scripture says, Jesus himself went throughout every city, every village, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, teaching in their synagogue, healing every manner of sickness and disease among the people. And when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. And he said, the harvest indeed is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Let him release workers, laborers into the harvest. Our friend Pastor Steve says, when we see the crowds, the multitudes today, we see money. Money. But Jesus, when he saw the multitude, they were like sheep without a shepherd. Helpless, harassed. He was filled with compassion. Somehow, the church lost it. We see people who are not born again. We feel nothing. I say that's witchcraft, but I don't know how you call it. You know, 
So Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he said in Mark 16, 15 and 16, Go, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that does not believe will be condemned. He said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you to the close of the age. In Acts 1.8, he said, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. No child of God can mistake the Great Commission. The central issue is not that you don't know. It's that the will to will to obey it is not there. It's, it's, it's painfully absent. And that's why I have come. You know, there is a way in which men tell you they are busy. Look, I leave for work at 5 a.m. You know, sometimes I get back at 10 p.m. I'm busy. What are you busy doing? What are you busy doing? You know, life must be spent on the most important things. If you see somebody busy gathering uh, orange fields around uh, Dansuma, busy, and you call him and say, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy. You say he's not correct. What are you busy doing? You need to find out. Because if what you are busy doing is busy doing the wrong thing. Thank you. Thank you. So let me be gentle with you. understand that you have only one life. You are going to live here only once. And therefore, you must do the most important things with your life. And that means sitting down to take stock and ask yourself which things in life matter most. Then you put them on a priority list. As you are right now, look at your priority list. And see whether the Great Commission has any place in your life. The most important thing on God's heart, why he is not closing this world, why he sent his only son to die, is not on your diary, it's not on your agenda. Are you thinking correctly? What do you mean? What do you mean? What are you about? Jesus came to die for souls. You don't have anything about souls in your diary, on your agenda, planned for 2020. What do you mean? What do you mean? I challenge you to go back and think well. Because Luke chapter 12 verse 15 to 20, Jesus said, 
a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. It is not the richest countries that are the best countries. Otherwise, the suicide rates will not be this different. Look, if you go to the internet, take all the suicide statistics. The richest countries of this world have the greatest suicide. And if you see Africa, we are low down. Why? Because Africa is poor. But we have something inside us. That doesn't, that doesn't make us easily decide to kill ourselves. Money alone is not enough. It doesn't give fulfillment. Otherwise, why would very rich people go for transgender? That I am a man, but I feel like a woman. I want to change my sex. You have money, but you don't have satisfaction. And Africa thinks by chasing money, we will be like them. Why are you thinking? Let's wake up. God has not blessed us with geodetic engineering. He hasn't, you know, Africa, we are not the best in technology. We are not the best in anything but heaven despite our challenges, has blessed us with the Bible. It, is, it will not be long. Europeans will leave their country and come and settle in Ghana, in Africa. You see, because they are searching for God, not property. Even if you don't believe me, you will see it with your eyes. Hallelujah. But let me talk about why I came here. I came to talk about discipleship. Who is a disciple? What is discipleship? Why is discipleship important? What are the characteristics of a disciple? What are the marks and the laws governing discipleship of Jesus Christ? How does it link up with the Great Commission? The English word disciple came from Latin, discipulus. Discipulus is a learner, a student. But the Bible's translation of disciple came from the Greek word mathetis, from which we get mathematics. A mathetis is a student, a pupil, a learner, an apprentice. But in the land where Jesus was born, they had another term for it called Talmud. And just as every student has a teacher, every mathetist 
has a didaskalos. And every Talmud has a rabbi. Now, the definition of who a disciple is, is critical. Because some churches make discipleship just a preaching event. Some make it a three months new converse class. Oh, you finish discipleship, now join the main church. And others don't even talk about discipleship. But a disciple is an apprentice who sticks with his master and learns to copy, imitate, and obey him until you are like him. A disciple of Jesus Christ is anyone who commits himself to be with Jesus and be such an apprentice that you learn from Jesus, you obey Jesus, you copy Jesus, you imitate Jesus until you are like Jesus. Please, Listen to me. Discipleship never finishes until you are like Jesus. In Luke chapter 6 verse 40, the Bible says, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfectly trained, perfectly apprenticed, perfectly discipled, shall be like his master. Now, before every Christian takes me on, I want to justify the definition I've given to you. So, Luke 6, 40. A disciple is not above his teacher. A disciple is never above his teacher. The day you are above your teacher, you teach your teacher. Are you with me? If Jesus prayed... Before miracles happen. And you have discovered a shortcut. So that you don't pray. But miracles happen. You need to teach Jesus your new secret way. Because you have found a shortcut. Which Jesus didn't know. If Jesus memorized the scriptures. In order to tell Satan it is written. And you don't memorize Bible verses but you have money to overcome Satan, then Jesus must apprentice and come and learn from you. He is your disciple. The disciple is never above his teacher. You can find no shortcut better, bigger, smarter than Jesus. Never. Never. If you ever find one, tell me so I can come and learn from you. But everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, you know, from verse 1, he says, Beloved, see what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And his children we are. 
the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know him. We ourselves don't know exactly what we shall be like. But we know that when we see Jesus, we shall be like him. First John chapter 3 verses 2 and 3. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. You know, you only finish discipleship when you meet Jesus. Because there is a certain degree of likeness to Jesus you can never attain on this earth. It is when we see him that we shall be like him. You must live in such a, a way that you will not be ashamed when we meet Jesus. And everyone who thus hopes and him purifies himself as he is pure. Okay. Now, let me attempt to convince you and persuade you that what I'm saying is true. My first proof is from God's desire for you. When God made man, he created man in his own image and likeness. That's what Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says. God made man in the image of God. When we sinned in Genesis chapter 3, this image of God was broken. But God sent Jesus, who is the image of God, to come back. And that by being like him, the normal, ideal human being he sent to the earth can come back. Is it making some sense? Because 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that Jesus is the image of God. Colossians 1, 15. It says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says that the God you don't see, Jesus carries the stamp of his nature and his glory. He told Philip, Philip asked in John chapter 14, verse 8, that show us the Father. And we shall be satisfied. He said, Philip, have I been with you for so long you don't know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I put it to you. That if you ever want to be in the original image God made man, you need to be like Jesus. This is the reason discipleship cannot be set aside by the church. Because to be like Jesus confirms God's original plan for you. Not only that. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says that. Those whom God foreknew, he predestined that they should be conformed to the image of his son. So that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Not only that. Colossians 1.28. He says, Him we preach. 
warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we should present every man perfect in Christ. That one, you can read it for us, so that they will believe. You know, sometimes, some church members have the idea that, okay, let pastor be like Jesus. Probably the head of the choir can be like Jesus, but not we, the full and full church members. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28. 28. Him we proclaim. Yes. Warning everyone. Warning. How many people? Everyone. And teaching everyone. Teaching how many people? Everyone. With all wisdom. Yes. That we may present everyone mature, perfect in Christ. How many people are we to mature, present perfect in Christ? Please. Those of you at the back who think that you sit behind so that you don't get near the preacher. This verse is for you. We are warning every man and woman. We are teaching everyone in all wisdom. We are presenting every man and woman Perfect in Christ. Why did God give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 says, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for equipping, perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, till we all, attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, even the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. Nobody in church is allowed to think remotely that for me, I can't be like Jesus. No. No. No, some people, when they hear of disciples, they say, okay, you can be disciples, but the rest of us, you know, we are in church. We, we, we didn't come for this, your discipleship thing. Go on with the discipleship class, but minus us. What do you mean? <laughs> Were you bought with the blood of Jesus? Then what are you saying? I, I, can't, I, I don't understand what you are saying now. How can the same blood buy me and buy you? And you say, I should be a disciple and you will be a church member. There is nothing like that. You see? Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. Peter says, This is why you have been called. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should walk in his steps. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It says that anybody who says he abides in Christ should walk as Jesus walked. Please, read that one too for them. Some of these things, you don't believe them until they are read. First John chapter 2, we are reading verse 6. Yes. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You are to walk in the same way Jesus walked. Otherwise, you are not abiding in him. Now, what about John twenty twenty one? Jesus said, peace be to you. As my father has sent me, so send I you. 
John 14, 12. Jesus said, if you believe in me, the works I do, will you do also? Greater works than this will you do, because I'm going to the Father. John 15, 9 and 12. He said, just as the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Love one another just as I have loved you. Ephesians 4, 32. He says, forgive one another just as God in Christ forgave you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He says, just as he who called you is holy, be holy just like him. Should I go on? 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. He says, anyone who has the hope that when Jesus arrives, you will go with him, you should purify yourself just as he is pure. Brother and sister, look at the standard. Ephesians 5.1. He says, be imitators of God as obedient children. The scripture is clear that the standard of God, Matthew 5.48, he says, be perfect, just as your heavenly father is perfect. Luke 6.36, be merciful, just as your father in heaven is merciful. If, uh, Matthew 5.20, if your righteousness does not exceed that of scribes and Pharisees, you will in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. I am saying the standard is too high. For any church member to say, I won't be a disciple. What do you mean? Did you buy yourself? Did you pay blood for yourself? If not, then better keep quiet. From today, every one of you is going to think discipleship. Now, let's enter another arena. What are the distinct characteristics of a disciple? What, what things make a disciple a disciple? Number one, discipleship is a lifelong process. You enter for Jesus to be a disciple of Jesus forever. There's no, you know, I'm on, on earth and here. You go for apprenticeship as carpenter or seamstress, two years, three years. Then you have your, you say, free, liberation. And a friend say liberation. You are now free. So you go and establish your own workshop and start when I was in Hohoe, there was a guy called Master Tema. Because he was apprenticed to a mechanic in Tema. So when he came back to Hohoe, they were saying his master was in Tema. So they were calling him Master Tema. With Jesus, you never finish apprenticeship to set up your workshop. You, you are always his apprentice. You know, this is why some of our big pastors feel they cannot be disciples. What is wrong with seeing Benihim and, and uh, Chris Oyakilome and uh, who? You name them, having a, a Bible study for discipleship. You are not yet like Jesus. What's, what's bad about it? What is wrong with it? We are to be like him. We are to walk as he walked. 
We have to be as pure as He is pure. We have to be as holy as He is. We have to be perfect. Therefore, when I'm, big pastors meet and are having a discipleship class, what is wrong with it? When elders of the church meet and are having a discipleship class, what is wrong about it? Are they already like Jesus? So, it is a process. A lifelong process. But the second thing about discipleship is hunger and thirst. Matthew 5, 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Matthew 5, 6, He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. There is a certain hunger and thirst for God and for the things of God, for Jesus. If it leaves you, you become complacent, lukewarm as a Christian. You, don't, you are not growing again. You are just coming to church. Everything in church is boring. You come and uh, you know why? You have lost your first love. Revelations 2, 4 and 5. You see, you are no longer hungry and thirsty for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, for God, for the things of God. This is why you are satisfied. Ask my wife. When we were born again, we were in the university. Every Friday, we were walking from Legon to Medina for all night and walking back. She's here. That's what we call hunger, thirst. You see, when I read the Bible, it's because I'm hungry for God. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for truth. I'm not reading the Bible to come and preach to you. What is the sense in that? Then you go to heaven and I go to hell. (laughs) You see, as a disciple, there must be a basic, insatiable, and ending hunger and thirst for more of Jesus in your life. Otherwise, commands like Luke 18, verse 1. He told them a parable to the effect that they should always pray and not faint. First Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. They, they don't make sense. Because a time comes, you are satisfied. You are just okay. You are mature. You have grown. You have come to a point in Christianity where you don't need anything. And uh, why should you pray? Discipleship is characterized by hunger and thirst. All the time. But number three is obedience. If you are a disciple, you must learn to obey. According to uh, uh, what? Philippians 2, verse 8. Jesus, he came down and not only did he take on the form of a bond slave, but he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. Though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And he is able to save those that obey him. Look at the Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, go, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Many times we teach church members to disobey Jesus. Because when we preach a sermon today, next Sunday we don't even check whether anybody has obeyed. 
and there is no exam. So because of that, the average church member can come to church without a notebook. But when his chemistry master is teaching, he writes. Why? Because the chemistry master is speaking sense, but the pastor will speak nonsense. Of course, why should you write something which you don't need to keep? You won't do anything with it. You see, my wife shocked me. When we got married, she told me a story. I don't know if she will confirm it. She said that whenever anybody came and left a message, she would forget. And whenever I told her something in the house, she would forget. Then one day she said no. She bought a notebook. Every instruction I gave, she wrote it down. If a visitor came and left a message, she wrote it down. And I saw that her attitude improved in the house. If I said anything, she would do it. If a visitor came and left a message... It was long afterwards that she told me the key. <laughs> you see, if you don't plan to obey God, you don't plan to learn your Bible verses. Of course, you forget sermons because you don't intend to obey it. If you intend to obey, you will capture the sermon. Yes, somebody tells you that tomorrow morning come for 10,000 Ghana cash, 8 a.m., you say, please, what's your mobile phone number? And the person says, oh, 275 what, what do you do? No. Somebody says, tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, come for 10,000 Ghana. I'm living around the Dansuman runabout, first runabout. And he says, oh, my telephone number is 0275128. What do you do? Yeah, come, come, come and tell us. What do you do? I'll say, wait, 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 wait a minute. Let, let, let me say that again. You can say that again. Thank you. The reason we forget sermons, if I ask you right now the sermon Prophet preached three months ago. Ah, you are saying. <laughs> It's because we do not intend to obey it. Therefore, we don't capture it. We don't say, wait, 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 prophet, wait. Let me write that down. No. So we are teaching the church to disobey. Because nobody even checks. There's no exam. That's it. Now, I'm saying all this because the church has a crisis of products now. Medical school, after five, six, seven years, they produce doctors, young, young doctors, 26, 27, that can operate upon you. Med, uh, law school, five, six years. Makola, they produce lawyers for the country. Why is the church unable to produce Christ-like people for Ghana? Tell me, the Asantehinis, the Yanas, the Tobigamamagas, the Gamanches, the gospel has been in Ghana 200 years, but it has failed to penetrate our chiefs' palaces. That's the truth. Because a disciple must learn to obey unto death. 
even death of the cross. If you can't do that, stop the discipleship. Number four, memorization. Memorization. Learning by heart. You know, Jesus himself never wrote a book. Jesus never wrote a book. Therefore, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John you have now can only come from people who heard Jesus and memorized what he said. Otherwise, Jesus didn't say, ask and you receive. And they said it and lied into the mouth of the Son of God. You heard me right. What I'm saying is that if Peter and Matthew didn't hear Jesus well, and they didn't memorize it, burn your Bible. It's useless. The book you are holding is stupid. It's stupid. Because the people who wrote it never memorized what Jesus said. So the words you are having are not Jesus' words. They can only be Jesus' words if they were memorized word for word by the people who heard him and reproduced for us. Think about it. You, you don't memorize Bible verses. Of course you are bigger than Jesus. <laughs> Memorization is part of apprenticeship. If you're a master mechanic, somebody brings a car, and he says it's the plugs. He goes under the car, losing something. He says, hey, bring 14. And then he opens the bonnet. Hey, bring 13. The next day, somebody brings a car. And he says, hey, come crew, go and uh, take the plugs out. He said, Master, which uh, spanner should I use? <laughs> Didn't you see me yesterday using 14? Didn't I ask you to bring it? Then you are losing it. Then you say, this one, I, did, I forgot. We don't. <laughs> no apprentice works without memory. Then why are you there? Many people come to church. They don't intend to imitate Jesus. They are just here. Memorization is part of discipleship. And it's not Jesus who brought discipleship. Luke 5.33 says, John the Baptist had disciples. Pharisees had disciples. Before Jesus started having disciples. In fact, the first two disciples of Jesus were John the Baptist's own disciples. Therefore, it's not a question. So if you read Acts 19, eh, even in Asia Minor, more than 300 miles away from Jerusalem, they asked the first disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, no, we haven't even heard of Holy Spirit. Say, ah, what baptism did you have? And they said, John's baptism. Jerusalem, John, in Israel, more than 300 miles away, people carried John's baptism, sent it to Ephesus, and were baptizing people with John's baptism. A disciple must be a memorizer. Otherwise, you are no use to the master. Look, Socrates, Plato, all those guys you are here, you hear of. Look, you learn what your master is saying, what your teacher is teaching. 
This is why some people are in the church 10 years. If you call them now to give you 10 Bible verses, they can't. 2 Timothy 3, 7 says, Always learning, never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Yeah, I'm running now. Okay, let me just add two more of the characteristics. Imitation. 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 The disciple must learn to do things exactly the way the master does it. Discipleship definitely means a commitment to imitate the master. So, Matthew chapter 4, from verse 23, we are told that Jesus went throughout the towns and villages in Galilee. He was preaching, teaching, healing. Now, when you read the Bible through the first time, it looks like a confused material. But when you read Matthew chapter 5 to 7, is Sermon on the Mount. It's the most organized sermon I have seen since I was born. And I'm 65 now. If you have a better one, bring it. Like Abraham Lincoln's speech or something. Bring it. Because Matthew was a task collector. He knew how to arrange the 50 Ghana CD notes, 20 Ghana CD notes, 10 Ghana CD notes, and then the coins. But chapter 8... In chapter 9, Jesus heals the sick. He raises the dead. He cleanses a leper. And he casts out demons. And in Matthew chapter 10, he calls his 12. In verse 1, he gave them power and authority to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. In verse 7 and 8, he says, as you go, preach. That the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. The things he did chapter 8 and chapter 9. Are the things he commanded them to do in chapter 10. In a Bible college. Which doesn't teach people how to heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Must be closed down. Because it is not a Jesus Bible college. You are not sure. You see, let's read Mark 3, 14 and 15. I can see the unbelief written on your face. <laughs> Mark 3, 14 and 15, yes. Mark, Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. 15. Yes. It says, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles. So that they might be with him. He appointed 12 to what? Be with him. Every apprentice must learn to be with the master. If you are a disciple of Jesus, learn to be with Jesus. And he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Did you hear that? He appointed 12 to be with him. So that he will send them forth. To preach and have authority to cast out demons. If a Bible college 
does not teach people how to cast out demons and heal the sick, it should be closed down. Because this is discipleship. Why were they with Jesus? They were his apprentices, learning to be like Jesus. I'm closing the message for today. I I want to put it to you that the level of commitment you need to be a disciple of Jesus is preparedness to die. You say why? Let's read it. Let's read Luke 14, 26. You see, if we don't learn these things, when Boko Haram comes here, and God forbid, they come enter with AK-47, and say, where are the pastors? And you see them shooting the pastors. Then they say, all those of you who have accepted Christ, come this way. Luke fourteen twenty six. If anyone comes to me, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Cannot means cannot. You see, you don't need the Greek and the Hebrew. Cannot means what? Cannot. Thank you very much. If you come to Jesus, you want to be his disciple, you must take a decision, make a commitment that I will die in this. Is somebody listening to me? He said in Revelation 2.10, If you are faithful to, and to death, I will give you the crown of life. He said in uh, uh, John 12.24 and 25, that except a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. If it dies, it bears much fruit. He who wants to save his life will lose it. Anyone who wants to lose his life for my sake and the gospel, you keep it unto eternal life. Obedience is unto death. Faithfulness is unto death. Discipleship is unto death. The preaching of the gospel is unto death. The fight against sin. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 4. He says, you have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of your blood. Fighting sin is unto death. Satan Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. He says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony because they did not love their lives to death. Fighting Satan, death. Even Paul, he says in Acts 20, 24 that everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit testifies that persecutions are waiting for me. But none of these things move me. And I don't count my life as dear to myself so that I can finish 
the task Jesus gave me. To finish God's call on your life demands death. What about love for your wife? Ephesians 5, 25, 27 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Even loving your wife demands death. First John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, This is how we know love. Jesus gave his life for us. We should also lay down our life for our brothers. Love in the church demands death. I put it to you. That, look, tomorrow morning, I want to see you here. If you are committed to the Jesus Festival, you want to be a disciple, I want to meet you. Shall we be on our feet? Wow. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.